God who's faithful. Amen. He's been faithful to me as well. I tell you what, I was reading a, a book with the kids the other day called The Black Cauldron. It starts off with this little boy tending a pig who all the people believe can foretell the future. And I thought this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And it's Groundhog's Day. <laughs> Wow. You know, it's funny how our society can believe some pretty stupid stuff and celebrate some pretty stupid stuff, isn't it? You know, it's Groundhog's Day, Super Bowl Sunday, but for us, what we're excited about is Baptism Sunday. Amen? What we're excited about is that we get to gather together here, the kingdom of God on this planet. We get together together to sing, to pray, to worship, and to open His Word. So this morning... Once you open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, and then we'll start in verse 49, and as you stand, out of reverence for reading God's Word, um, let's have a word of prayer um, that God would bless this message. Luke chapter 9, 49 is where we'll start. Let's bow together. Lord, we love you. I pray, God, that you bless this message. Lord God, help me to speak what you want me to speak. Lord God, help me to um, just convey what it is that the Holy Spirit is uh, speaking out this morning. We ask this, Lord, and we ask for your power um, in this place, Lord, that you would take the focus off of me and put it on the message. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I said, Luke chapter 9, but what we're going to do is we're going to turn to John 14. Apologize about that. John 14. Sometimes we'll make a plan and God will say, do this instead. John chapter 14. Starting in verse 1. I believe that God has a message for us this morning. What about you, church? He does. Listen to the words of Christ. As you, um, my Bible has these words in red. This wasn't done until um, pretty much the turn of the 19th century. But um, my Bible puts the words of Jesus in red. And, and uh, this is all God's word. But I think sometimes that when we read it, um, we can just see it coming from the mouth of Christ. And it carries some weight um, that it's hard to describe. So as you're hearing this, I want you to picture Jesus speaking with you with me, with us. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, 
there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Lord God, once again, I pray that you add a blessing to your word this morning. Give me what I should say. And I pray for the Holy Spirit to convict where it needs it. Lead us to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, you may be seated. I want you to hear what Jesus is saying to his disciples. It's on the verge of something that's about to happen. In John chapter 14, if you turn over a few pages, you know that he's about to be betrayed. He's about to be crucified. And he's about to go through one of the most difficult things that any human has ever had to go through. And here he says, let not your heart be troubled. How many of you need to hear that this morning? And I'm going to say it again. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not be heart, your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Those words, that short phrase, is so hard for us to listen to. It's easy for us to hear. Okay, I get it. This is not a simple, don't worry, be happy. This is not a simple, oh, it'd be all right. Does he say it's going to be all right? Does he say that trouble's not going to come? He said, no. Let not your heart be troubled. Then what does he say? You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Let's break this down for just a second. This language that Jesus is speaking here would have been very common in this biblical time. It's a husband and his future bride. When he says, I go to prepare a place for you, he's not talking like, I'm your contractor I'll have a house ready for you, up to your spec. It's not what it, he's not speaking to you as a landlord of saying, you know, I got a place, you want to come? Here's my rules for living here. He is speaking to us as a husband, would speak to a bride. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. I'm taking care of you. He's got the long game plan ahead. Let not your hearts be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. In ancient Israel, when a couple was betrothed, there was about a year-long engagement, but it was really as long as it took. As long as it took to what? For the husband, for the future groom, to go and build a house for them. He would go and build a house, a place for them to live in together, and that was the engagement time. And all that time, the bride, what did she have to do? She had to wait. She had to wait. And can you imagine that anticipation? When is it going to be done? That waiting is difficult. Especially when it feels in this world there's all kinds of uncertainty. Let not your heart be troubled. You have someone who loves you and he's 
preparing a place for you. It says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Do you guys realize that Jesus loves you? He speaks to you from the love of like a husband and a wife, that he wants to go and prepare a place special for you so that he can be with you. He's not sending you somewhere away from himself. He's coming back to bring you to himself. God doesn't want a distant relationship with us, with humanity. He wants to be close. He wants to have a closeness with you. Are you having situations that have come up in your life that have distanced you from God? Are those situations causing turmoil in your heart? Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. He says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you. Satan has attacked the home, the family, husband and wife relationship in our culture, faithfulness in general. Satan has attacked what, it mean, what marriage means. And here God is using a perfect marriage as an illustration. Don't let what God is telling you be tainted by what the world is doing. He is a faithful husband. He is going to come back for his bride. He's not going to go off and find something better to do. He wants you. When Jesus died on the cross, it was his love for you that set his face on Jerusalem. It says in Luke that he focused in on going to Jerusalem knowing that there was a hill where they were going to put a cross in the ground that they were going to nail him to that he was going to suffer and die. He did that out of his love for us. I will come again and receive you to myself. It's simple language, talking about something that we have a hard time grasping, that Jesus is coming again. When I say that, Jesus will come back, and those who belong to him will be with him. They'll be caught up to be with him. I, I can't even put that to words. You realize that? He's going to come back and take us away. We're going to go to this place that he's prepared. Does that excite you? Does that scare you a little bit? Maybe that brings up anxiety in your heart. Maybe your heart is troubled because you don't know Jesus that way. You know about him. You know about him. You've learned about him, you've heard about him, you believe there's a man named Jesus, but you've never believed him to be who the Bible says he is. The Bible says he's the only way. The Bible says that he is love and that he died on the cross for you. And so you've never made it personal. Maybe your heart's troubled this morning because the Holy Spirit is drawing you to be saved. Listen to what else it says. This is so simple, we just have to read it. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Has God ever broken a promise? God never breaks His promises. 
And he says he's coming again. He's coming again, church. He's coming back. And there's things that are going on in this world right now. It's crazy. We look at the news and we, we see people fighting and we, we see people arguing over, they'll put the same facts on the table and they can't agree what the same facts say. It's a crazy world that we live in. This is truth. No, that's a lie. This is truth. Y'all are saying, what is even going on? What even is truth? And then they argue over, well, this is really life here. This is, this, no, this, this isn't life. That doesn't matter. This is, this is what really matters in life. And then, you, then people will argue about how you are supposed to live this life the way that you go. And there's so many confusion and so many confusing things out there. And Jesus says, where I go, you know, and the way you know. And in Thomas, I'm thankful for Thomas because he's like me. Don't assume I know, Lord. I don't know. We don't know where you're going. Thomas is maybe he's a little bit like me. People try to give me directions to a place. If you want to see, if you want to see this pastor zone out, start giving me directions to a place. It ain't happening. You can give me the address and I'm going to let Google tell me exactly what to do. Because past that, I'm pretty lost. I don't know the way. You're using numbers and letters and I don't know what you're saying. You're speaking in another language I don't get. What do you mean? North, east, south, west. I don't, that doesn't compute right now. I get confused and people are like, no, just, just listen, just listen. And I'm like, I don't get it. Thomas, he at least admits that he don't get it. Have you lived your life pretending to everybody else like, oh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, south on 45 then, a left over there by that one town you said? Some people live their whole life and they will not admit that they don't get it because they're afraid. And what do they end up? Lost. Lost. I'm thankful for people like Thomas who can just get, hold up. Hey, you're going to have to give me the address. Jesus, if you're going somewhere, I'm going to mess it up. And Jesus says, hold on, Thomas, no. You know the way. He says, because I am the way. In this world, people are saying, this is the way, that's the way. You can get to heaven by Buddha, Hindu. You can get Hare Krishna. You can, they throw out everything out there, Allah. And, and people are like, they're, they're so confused. Who is right? How about the one who's never broken his promise? How about the one who didn't even come for himself? There's no ulterior motive for Jesus. You can find an ulterior motive for every other religion that's out there, but you can't find one in Christianity other than that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him should have eternal life. There's no ulterior motive. Nobody's trying to fool you. We just want you to admit one thing. We're all lost. We don't know the way. What Jesus says to Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 
He's the truth. He's the truth. There will be nothing true that opposes Jesus. I'm going to say that again. There will be nothing true that opposes Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time for those that have more degrees than sense. There will be nothing true that opposes Jesus because He is the truth. He is the truth. I want to tell you something. Going through school, I learned that Pluto was a planet. When I get to college, I say it's not a planet anymore. And now some people are saying it's a planet, others are saying it. Science can't even agree on what's truth. They sell science, new editions of science books every year because it's, it's constantly changing. This book has not changed. The love of God for you has never changed. He expressed it, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, can I understand that? I can't understand the love of God that He would do that for me, worthless human being that I am. But He did that. He says, I'm the way. And He says, I'm the truth. I'm the truth. So basically, Jesus is saying, what you need to know to get to heaven is wrapped up in what? Premillennial dispensational theology? Is it wrapped up in... What is it wrapped up in? Sometimes when kids come to get saved, the parents want to know, well, I don't think they fully grasp the triune nature of the Godhead. I don't think they fully grasp that God is both three and yet one. And the ramifications of the Holy Spirit and the sanctification and the glorification and the... You lost me! Man, I need to go check and see if I'm saved. No. What does Jesus say? It's simple. It's simple. Why? Because Jesus loves simple too. Right? Jesus never turned the little children away. We talked about that. The gospel is simple. God is love. He sent His Son. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the life. The life. Now I'm going to talk with you about this and you're going to struggle with it because you've learned that living for yourself is the best life that you can ever have. If you truly find out what makes you happy, if you truly find that thing that you so much, that you enjoy, that you're, that, you know what? In my generation was told, look, you need to find out what you love doing. And that needs to be your job. Because what you love doing is the most important thing. And kind of wonder why there's a whole lot of homeless people out there. Because they never found how to make money watching football and eating Doritos. <laughs> but I love it. It's my passion. I want to tell you, you go full in to self selfishness. You're going to find nothing but emptiness. The world tells you that's life. That is the essence. Oh, that's, that is so, that's what life is. It's not that. It's not that. In fact, Jesus came and he rejected himself. He lowered himself to the point of a slave. And then he didn't avoid pain. He didn't avoid pain. But he gave pain a purpose, didn't he? His pain was our gain, and he took the cross, and he died to save us. Jesus is the way, he's the truth, 
He is the life. That's the life. I don't care how awesome your life is. If you don't have Jesus, I'm telling you, you're missing it completely. You're missing it completely. Just picture a guy going down the road and he's got a luxury BMW, you know, the SUV types that I can't even afford to think about. He's got that thing and he's bragging about it to everybody, talking about what all the things that it can do. And you just, every time you've seen it, he's leaned up against that, taking selfies with his SUV. He loves that thing. It's kind of like life. But without Jesus, he don't have the keys to even get in it. Without Jesus, he can never crank that and see what it would be like for his life to really go where God intended it to go. What, what good is it? What good is it? Your life, your life, where you're really going to experience it is in Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying it's going to be just happy. Because there is sorrow in this world. There is sorrow in this world. And something my dad told me when I was going through one of the most sorrowful moments of my life was the words of Jesus. And I remember trying not to show him how deeply it affected me, but I couldn't hold it back. I started crying. I didn't want to cry in front of my dad. And he said these words to me, Let not your heart be troubled. And I realized it wasn't just my dad that was talking, but my, my heavenly father was talking through him. This morning you might see just a preacher up here just hollering, saying stuff you're not sure about, but I hope you can hear the voice of the father saying how much he loves you. How much he loves you and all that he has offered to save you. He sent his only son to die a horrible death. Because let's face it, we're all sinners. And if we will admit it, if we will just do like Thomas and say, oh God, the rest of the 12, they might have it. But I guess I'm the dunce. I don't get it. You're saying you're going to take us with you and I don't even know where you're going. We all have to have that moment. Every Christian has to have that moment where they say, God, I don't get it. But I know you do, Jesus. What is salvation about? It's admitting, Lord, I'm a sinner and I don't get it. But Jesus, I know you do. I know you do, and I want to be with you. I'll do what you tell me to do. If you save me, I'm yours. I want to read that one more time. Listen to the words of Christ. This is for someone here this morning. This was not my sermon. Not even close. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know the, the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me.